Summer is almost over. It's getting close. Uh, August is just around the corner. Parents, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> Kids, sorry. Um, but it's time. It is time. Well, I have, uh, I have four kids, and, and uh, my, my two daughters were serving at VBS this week, and my boys were uh, participants in VBS this week, and I'm so grateful for a church that loves our students and um, that has a place. There were so many of our middle and high school students who were serving this week, every night, and whether they were serving on stage or serving, leading small groups. Man, I love seeing... Uh, generations serve generations. There were grandparents who were serving this past week who were here every night. One of them told me on Friday night, if I volunteer for this next year, rebuke me. So um, I won't tell you who that was, but anyway. But to see generations pour into the next generation is such an incredible encouraging thing. And as a pastor, uh, man, that, that blesses my heart. And so uh, we had a great time together. And as, as they said, over $4,000 was raised. And that was raised through our kids who, who gave. Um, one of my sons uh, had a, he, the last night on Friday night, he pulled out, he had a $20 bill that he had been saving from, uh, I gave when we went on vacation earlier this summer, I gave them some spending money and he had that left over. So he pulled out his 20 and brought it in. And I would like to think he wanted to bless kids in Romania, but I think he just really wanted the boys to win. So, uh, but it worked and um, over $4,000 was raised for Camp Joy in Romania. Tony Calico and his family are there right now. And uh, every day they're gathering with, with uh, young people uh, from villages, especially in the Roma gypsy communities there in Romania, and they're serving and, and sharing the good news of Jesus with those kids, and, and we get to be a part of that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we're going to continue our series in 1 Samuel today. Last week, we took a big chunk, uh, 1 Samuel 12, 13, 14, and 15. Today, we're going to go to chapter 14 and, and kind of uh, pull a story out and focus on faith this morning. Um, but before we get into the message, I, I want to let you know a couple things. Next Sunday uh, is the 31st. It's the fifth Sunday of the month. So all of our kids will be in service with us. Um, and so it'll be a family Sunday. Then we've got bowling Sunday night after the service at Boardwalk Bowl. And we need you to pre-register for that because we have to pay for that before we go and, and know how many spots to hold. And in typical Orlando Baptist Church fashion, no one has signed up yet. We know you're going to, but you haven't done it yet. So do it. You can do it online, on the app. You can do it right now while I'm talking if you want to. Just help us. Uh, or go by the Next Steps table after the service and let us know that you're planning to be there. It's $10 a person, uh, but we kind of put a cap at $40 on a family. Uh, so, um, you know, and, and if, you, if you can't afford it but you want to go, we want you to go. So just come tell us, hey, I'm coming. I'm not going to pay you, but I'm coming. And we'll say, okay, no problem. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, because the goal is, is that we have an opportunity to spend some time together and grow in relationships. Uh, so, so come join us for that next Sunday night, okay? So family service in the morning, uh, bowling Sunday night. And then also next Sunday, we're going to have baptism in our service. 
So right now, there's one person confirmed that we're gonna baptize, but uh, there may be some of you uh, who are interested in baptism. Uh, maybe, maybe one of your kids made a profession of faith this week at VBS, and they, they're talking to you about that. So um, if you are interested in being a part of that baptism service, I, I would love to sit down and talk with you this week and uh, follow up. So again, you can shoot us an email, info, I-N-F-O, info at orlandobaptist.com. Go by the next steps table and let us know, and we'll follow up this week. But we'll have a baptism service next week as, as part of our service. And Baptism is an important step of faith. It's, it's a step of obedience. Jesus was baptized in the Gospels, and Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He was God. Uh, but he, he showed us this example of obedience. Baptism is a symbol of surrender because when you surrender yourself for someone to put you underwater, uh, that, is, that is a visible sign of surrender. Do you remember playing in the pool when you were a kid and people tried to dunk you underwater and you fought them? Uh, so many times that's what our life looks like. We're fighting what God wants to do, but when we surrender, and so baptism is that visible sign of surrender, that I have surrendered my heart to Jesus as my Lord and Savior, step of obedience. And so if you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, that is baptism after you have surrendered your life to Christ through faith, and we'd love for you to be a part of that, or, or even if you just want to have a conversation about that for the days ahead, shoot us an email, info at orlandobaptist.com, come by the next steps table, and we would love to follow up with you, okay? Well, let me pray, then we're going to read some scripture together and get into the message. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your salvation, Thank you that you are our firm foundation. The rains come and the winds blow, but our life is built on you. We can have hope in that. We can have uh, confidence in that. And Lord, uh, our lives can be a testimony of your goodness and faithfulness in that. So Lord, help us to be people of faith who are obedient in faith, who follow, who trust and obey. Lord, speak through your word this morning. Give us ears to hear, hearts to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, hey, I'm gonna ask you to stand up as we read together out of 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're gonna read 14 verses. I'll read it out loud. You can follow along in your Bible or follow along on the screen. 1 Samuel Chapter 14, verses 1 through 14 says this, that same day Saul's son Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapons, come on, let's cross over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. However, he did not tell his father. Saul was staying under the pomegranate tree in Migron on the outskirts of Gibeah. The troops with him numbered about 600. Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod, was also there. He was the son of Ahitub, the brother of Ichabod, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest at Shiloh. But the troops did not know that Jonathan had left. There, was sharp, there were sharp columns of rock on both sides of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine garrison. One was named Bozes, the other Sinah. One stood to the north in front of Michmash and the other to the south in front of Geba. 
Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapons, come on, let's cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. His armor bearer responded, do what is in your heart. You choose, I'm right here with you, whatever you decide. All right, Jonathan replied, we'll cross over to the men and, and, uh, and then let them see us. If they say, wait until we reach you, then we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up, then we'll go up because the Lord has handed them over to us. That will be our sign. They let themselves be seen by the Philistine garrison. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've been hiding. The men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up, we'll teach you a lesson, they said. Follow me, Jonathan told his armor bearer, for the Lord has handed them over to Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer behind him. Jonathan cut them down and his armor bearer followed and finished them off. In that first assault, Jonathan and his armor bearer struck down about 20 men in a half acre field. All right, thanks, you can have a seat. So we're gonna see in this story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, a story of faith, a story of obeying, obedient faith, a story of trusting God and then stepping out, believing that God will do what only he can do. We're gonna see that Jonathan possessed a believing faith, a confident faith, knowing that God could do whatever he wants to do. And that believing, confident faith led to an obedient faith that caused Jonathan to step out, to move forward, or in the language of VBS, to make waves. We're going to see that as Jonathan stepped out in obedient faith, it led to an increased faith, not only in his own life and in the life of his armor bearer, but we're going to see in the entire army of Israel that had been hiding out up to this point because of Jonathan's faithful obedience, we're going to see their faith increase as well. Hebrews 11, chapter 6, in writing about incredible heroes of faith, the author tells us this, without faith it is, an, it is impossible to please God. Since the one draw, who draws near to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. We see these three elements of believing faith, obedient faith, and increased faith in this passage. There's this believing faith that God exists. There's this obedient faith that seeks him. And there's this increased faith when we seek him, he rewards those who seek him. So first, Let's look at Jonathan, and we're going to see in this passage that Jonathan possessed a believing faith. It starts with believing faith, confident faith. In 1 Samuel 14, 6, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, this, the armor bearer is this guy who carried Jonathan's weapons. We were told already, or we will be told later, that there were no weapons in the Israelite army. Because the Philistines were in charge and they only let them have kind of farming instruments. So they had like, you know, little plows and hooks and hoes that they would, you know, till the ground with. But that was, that was about it. Except for Jonathan and Saul, because they were the king and prince, they were the only ones who had proper weapons. And so Jonathan had this armor bearer who would carry his shield and 
carry his sword and, and any other weapons that he might have, a spear or a javelin. And, uh, you know, he would kind of lighten the load for Jonathan as he's headed out to the battlefield. And when the time was right, he'd say, okay, uh, sword please. And he would get his sword and, and get to work. Um, but the armor bearer was with Jonathan. He was also kind of like a bodyguard for Jonathan. And it says that Jonathan and his attendant, his, his um, armor bearer stepped out. And Jonathan says this, come on, let's cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Now in scripture in the Old Testament, this statement about circumcision or uncircumcision is a statement about, uh, about identity. You see, God had made a covenant with his people uh, that they would be his people. And he said, there is going to be a physical sign of your being my people. And it's this physical sign of circumcision. And, and so those who were not God's people, they, they would be called uh, kind of as a derogatory remark by the people of Israel, those uncircumcised men over there. So he, he's speaking to them. He says, let's go over to these uncircumcised Philistines Listen what he says, perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. You see, Jonathan recognized that God can do whatever he wants to do. Nothing can stop God from saving. It might be a many, it, it might be few. It doesn't really matter because God is the one doing the work. He is the one doing the saving. Maybe you remember when the angel appeared to Mary in the Gospels and said, you're going to have a child. And, and, um, and she says, how is that supposed to happen? Because I've never been intimate with a man. And the angel says, is anything too hard for God? <laughs> in other words, hey, it doesn't matter. God is God. He can do what he wants to do. And Jonathan has this heart, this faith that recognizes God can do whatever he wants. So let's go over here. Maybe... Perhaps God will give us a victory here because who could stop God? Now, Jonathan's faith, it's not, it's not presumptuous. He doesn't say, I know that God is gonna give us the victory. He says, if God wants to, he could give us the victory. So he, he's, he's kind of stepping out in faith. He doesn't know what God's gonna do. He doesn't know whether they're gonna have a victory or not. He just says, God can do it. God can do it, I believe it. Let's step out and see what God will do. Here's a question for us. Do you believe that God can do anything he wants to do? Do you believe that nothing can stop God from saving you, from, from restoring you, from redeeming you, from healing you, whatever it is? Jonathan said nothing can stop God. Now, he didn't know how the story would end because right before he said nothing can stop God, he says, perhaps God will do this thing because nothing can stop God. Now, I don't know how your story will end. I don't know how your circumstances will go, but do you believe that nothing can stop God, whatever the circumstances of your life? Or do you believe that maybe this is just too big? Maybe this is too far gone. Jonathan had this believing, confident faith. It was also a humble faith, recognizing that this doesn't have anything to do with me, his armor bearer, we don't even know that guy's name, this doesn't have anything to do with you, 
but God can do anything he wants, so let's start moving and see what he will do. God is bigger than any situation, than any circumstance, than any lost cause that we might experience. Maybe it's something relational in your life. Maybe it's something financial in your life. Maybe it's something emotional, spiritual. Maybe it's something with one of your kids. It is not out of God's hand. And nothing can stop him from saving by many or by few. And Jonathan possesses this confident, believing faith. And that believing faith led to an obedient faith. That believing faith led to an obedient faith. Jonathan says, nothing can stop God, so let's go for it. He says to his armor bearer, let's go. The armor bearer in verse seven says, do what is in your heart, go ahead. I'm completely with you. All right then, Jonathan replied, we'll cross over to the men and let them see us. If they say, wait here till we reach you, we'll stay here. If they say, come up, we'll go up and we'll know that God has delivered them into our hand. That will be our sign. So they let themselves be seen. The Philistines said, come up. The Hebrews are coming out of their holes. The men of the garrison called to Jonathan and said, come up, we'll teach you a lesson. Jonathan said, follow me, for the Lord has handed them over to Israel. I love that, I love that little interaction. This group, this garrison of Philistine soldiers, right, say to these two guys who are on the ground, who have to climb a cliff face to get to the battle. And the Philistines said, come on up, we're gonna teach you a lesson. And Jonathan goes, oh, that's our sign, we got them licked. (laughs) Jonathan starts to climb the mountain, but we see that Jonathan had this confidence that God could do whatever God wants to do and that maybe he would deliver the Philistines to them, and so they stepped out. A faith that truly believes must be put into action. I mean, if, if, if we say we have faith, then we have to step out in faith. In the book of James, James, who is the brother of Jesus Christ, his earthly brother through Joseph, his earthly father, says, you Show me your faith by what you say, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. In other words, I, my, my faith is proven by obedience, by stepping out in faithfulness to God's call. The illustration has been given many times that faith is kind of like sitting in a chair. You can look at the chair and say, I believe this chair could hold me. I believe I could stand on this chair. I believe this chair would bear my weight. But until you actually sit down in the chair, your faith is not in the chair. And Jonathan proved that he believed that God could do whatever he wanted to do by stepping out in faith to allow God to move. It's a fine thing to say nothing could stop God But Jonathan proved that he really believed that by stepping out. Now Saul, it tells us, he was sitting back at the camp underneath the pomegranate tree. I've tried to eat a pomegranate before and I don't know how to eat them. Maybe if if you do, you could show me. Uh, But I can just imagine, you know, Saul sitting there eating pomegranates under the pomegranate tree saying, you know, God could deliver us. I, I believe that God could deliver us as he sits there and eats his pomegranates. 
But that's a different kind of faith than the faith of Jonathan that stepped out with his armor bearer and went to battle. In the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we're told this story about Jesus who was with his disciples and they went to Nazareth. It's the place where Jesus grew up. And Jesus was preaching and teaching and and he was uh, healing people and the, the people in the town said, isn't this Joseph, the carpenter's son? What is he talking about? And Matthew 13, 58 tells us that Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Jesus was able to do miracles. We had seen it time and time and time again in the Gospels. But here he is in the town of Nazareth, and and he doesn't do miracles because why? Of their unbelief. Now, let me be clear. The unbelief of these people did not limit God's power. Right? God is not limited by our lack of faith. Neither is God empowered by the presence of faith. He has simply chosen to work through obedient faith in his people. So you remember all those Santa Claus movies where the sleigh can't fly and Santa says, people don't believe in Christmas magic anymore, right? Like I think that's in a lot of Santa Claus movies. God is not like Santa Claus. He doesn't need us to believe in him in order for him to do his work. He is not limited by our lack of faith. Nor is he empowered by the presence of faith in our life. God doesn't go, oh good, they've got faith. Now I'm, I'm powered up and I can do something. No, scripture makes it really clear. Has God ever been served by a man? No, 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 no. God doesn't need us. However, in God's kindness and grace, he has chosen to work through the obedient faith of his people. What an incredible thought. What an incredible thought. And Jonathan says, yes, God can do anything he wants to do. Let's go see what God will do today. And he steps out. Wasn't Jonathan's faith that allowed God to work. God worked. God did the work, as we'll see, um, through Jonathan's faithful obedience. Wasn't Jonathan doing the work by God's power. It was God doing the work through Jonathan's faithful obedience. And and Jonathan steps out, and he doesn't know the plan. He just knows that he serves a God who can do anything, and there's an army who is opposing his God, and so he steps out. And God kind of shows him the plan one step at a time. And as we walk the path of faithful obedience in our own lives, God will confirm his plan. So Jonathan first, he, he says to his armor bearer, Look, the Philistine garrison is over there. Um, I think we should go see what God can do. He can do anything he wants. Maybe he'll hand them over into our hands. And his armor bearer says, you lead the way. I'll follow whatever's in your heart, Jonathan. Let's go. And sometimes God confirms his plan through other people. Right, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, I don't know, maybe God could do a mighty work. He can do anything he wants to do. And his armor bearer said, yes, let's go, brother. And they step out. And many times, I can tell you in my own life, God confirms his his plan, his direction, uh, through conversations with other followers of Jesus Christ. God uses people in our lives to 
to strengthen, um, to strengthen our faith. He uses, he uses his people. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 say, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. I, I love that statement, to provoke. Usually when you think of provoking, that's like a, we kind of think of that in a negative way, right? like provoking somebody to a fight, provoking somebody to anger. But in this context, it, it says, let us provoke one another to love and good works. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to encourage each other, to prod each other, to poke each other, to push each other out of the nest. Come on, let's go. God is at work. Don't neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's part of the function of us gathering together on Sundays and in Bible study groups and in community groups that we encourage and provoke each other, prod each other, stir each other up, remind each other of God's faithfulness. This morning we had our uh, Next Steps class, which is our, um, I'm sorry, our Starting Point class, which is kind of our membership class. And today we got to share our testimonies, the story of, of salvation. And man, Every time I, I sit in a class and hear people share about how God saved them, it, it's so encouraging to me. It reminds me of God's faithfulness, and everybody's story's a little bit different. From coming to faith at an early age and coming to faith in adulthood and through difficult circumstances and seasons of life, God is working, and we can encourage and stir each other up in that. So God confirms his plan through his people. Jonathan says to his armor bearer, Let's go see what God can do. And the armor says, yeah, let's do it, man. And then Jonathan says, and, and let's show ourselves to the Philistines. And if they say, come up, then we'll know that God has handed them into our hand. That'll be our sign. Now, I don't know how Jonathan picked this as a sign. And we have to be careful about, you know, put, picking signs. But I can tell you, that God will confirm his plan many times through his provision. God confirms his plan through his provision. We step out in faith and we don't know how it's gonna go and we don't know, we don't know the end of the story. We just take one step at a time trusting God and God provides. So we take the next step and we're not sure how it's gonna go and then God provides again and we don't know how the next step is gonna go but we step out and God provides Again, David Guzik is a pastor and author, uh, wrote a commentary on 1 Samuel, and he said this, Jonathan was prompted by faith. Significantly, he did not demand to know the whole battle plan from God in advance. He was willing to take it one step at a time and let God plan it out. Faith is willing to let God know the whole plan and to know our part one step at a time. But here's what's incredible. God will reveal that plan one step at a time. Let me tell you practically how, how this has looked in the life of our church, the ministry of our church in the last year or so. Um, COVID changed a lot of things 
for all of us, but it, it changed some ministry initiatives for us. We were doing a lot of ministry on campus in the public schools around us, and we weren't able to do that. And so God opened up a door for us to serve our neighbors uh, on 436, especially our, our homeless neighbors. So we started a ministry there, and, and God kind of blessed and gave us opportunities to build relationships and get to know people and, and see people take next steps in their faith and, and moving forward. And through that, God introduced us to a ministry called Freeway Ministries, which is an addiction recovery ministry. And we got to know uh, Josh and Alex Zuniga, who were a part of that ministry. We had them in our missions week this past November and, and supported them as a church. And uh, as God does, God was moving in their heart and God was moving in our heart about a need to, to um, be a, a place of support and, and help for those who are struggling with addiction. And, and uh, Josh... And Alex uh, talked to me and they said, hey, what would it look like for there to be a freeway in Orlando? And I said, I I'm glad you asked because I've been praying that there would be a freeway in Orlando and, and God moved in our hearts to connect those two things. And so we said, let's do it. So I talked to the deacons of the church and said, hey, God is moving in this direction. I just wanna get kind of a confirmation from you guys, and they all, they all said yes. One of them said, it would be negligent for us not to move forward with this ministry. God began to confirm this thing that he was doing, and, and he's starting to put these pieces together, and, and people are confirming it along the way. So we said, let's go. Now, the only thing is we had no budget for this freeway ministries. We didn't know how we were going to do that part, but we knew that God was calling us, so we'll just start taking steps and see what God will do. So we announced to you as a church family back in May uh, that we were gonna partner with Freeway. And then on Hero Day, John Stroop, who is the president of Freeway Ministries, he spoke that day and shared a little bit more about his story and what God is doing through Freeway. Now, you guys don't know this, but something really incredible happened in those two weeks. So the week that we announced it, um, there was an individual who gave a significant amount of money to our church. The thing that was unique about that is that we didn't know who this person was. Um, they had given occasionally, and, but Corey said, hey, somebody gave $10,000 today, and I, and I don't know who it is. Do, do we know this person? And so uh, we emailed and said, thank you, grateful, love to connect with you. And they said, no, it's okay, love what you guys are doing. The next week, John Stroop preaches, and that week they gave $20,000, that, that's, by the way, that's really weird for us. Like people aren't stroking ten and $20,000 checks at this church. And so when that shows up, we're like, what is, so that week we said, hey, call and make sure they meant to do that. Because it was online. Maybe they like accidentally hit go again. And uh, we emailed them and they said, yeah, you know, just love what you guys are doing. Love to meet with the pastor. We've got some really good news. And so I thought, okay, great. So uh, I, I set up to meet with these people this next week and they come and meet with me over in the church office and they're running a little bit late and they come in and they say, hey, good to meet you. And it's kind of a, you know, we've never met. It's kind of an awkward interaction a little bit. And they, we sit down in my office and they say, hey, just want to let you know, um, we thought we were giving to First Baptist Orlando this whole time. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, you know, yeah, right? But they let me off the hook really quick. They said, hey, but it's God's money. It's God's plan, you know, so it's great. Tell us a little bit about your church. It's humbling. 
I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I tell them, hey, you know, God is, we've been here a long time, and God has opened up some doors as we're serving in our neighborhood, and opened up some doors specifically in the area of, of recovery ministry, and, and I just want you to know that God used you, even though you didn't know it, to be a confirmation that we're moving in the right direction because we made a public announcement about this ministry that we didn't have money to fund and then you gave a significant amount of money. In week two, we had the director preach and then you gave twice the significant amount of money. And I just want you to know that's weird for us. But we believe that, that you know, God is providing for this ministry that, that he's called us to start. And by this time, the guy's got tears in his eyes and goes, I've got goosebumps. Are you gonna need more money? <laughs> And I said, I'm sure we will, but I, I know you didn't mean to give to us, so like, you know, I'm just grateful. And he goes, well, I've got my checkbook in my car, and he writes us a check for $20,000 more. The point is not him. The point is not his money. The point is God confirms through his provision, like in weird, crazy ways. The individual who gave to the wrong church right, at the right time <laughs> to confirm the thing that God was moving in. So we have a budget for Fruway Ministries now. That's the point of that story. And, and God just does those kind of things. When we step out in faith, God will bring people around us who encourage us to, to move and to step out to be faithful, to be obedient. Have you ever, maybe, maybe in your workplace, you've had the experience where God has called you to be bold in your faith and you start to have spiritual conversations and all of a sudden you find there's somebody at work that you didn't even know was a believer, but now God has kind of brought you two together and you're, you're strengthening each other. God works like that. You know, God uses and brings people into your life at just the right season. And what's so cool is that God can be doing a work in your heart over here and being, be doing a work in somebody else's heart over here, and you don't know each other, but through God's sovereignty and his plan, he begins to bring the faithful obedience of people who are on different parts of the country, who, who you know, don't know each other, and all of a sudden, through our obedience, he brings us together to accomplish this thing that he was working in each of our hearts in different places, and all of a sudden, we go, oh, you too? Even as we think about freeway ministries and, and, and the outreach ministry that we've been doing here, God has brought people who have a passion and a heart for that ministry. That's how God works. He confirms his plan along the way. As, as we're obedient, God says, good job, let me uh, pull the curtain back for this next step. Now, God, when we step out in obedience, he begins to increase our faith. Obedient faith leads to increased faith. You see, Jonathan knew that God could do anything he wanted to do, by a many or by a few. And when he told his armor bearer, hey, I think we should go because God could do something great. And he said, yeah, let's go. That little moment of obedient faith increased Jonathan's faith. And he said, okay, okay well, good. What if the guy would have said, yeah, that's not a good idea. By the way, sometimes we need to hear that's not a good idea. Okay? 
Every, every idea is not a God idea, I promise. And sometimes we need godly counsel to say, not yet, maybe not, not right now. But when God brings those people into our life who say, yeah, let's go, let's, I'll be praying with you, let's, let's move forward. It increased Jonathan's faith, and then Jonathan said, well, look, if they say, come on up, then we'll know that's our sign. And what do you know? They said, come on up. And Jonathan said, that's it, let's go, man. Now, here's the thing. Remember, there's these two cliff faces where Jonathan and his armor bearer, they're down in the valley. The Philistines are at the top of the, of the little cliff, and the, the cliff is uh, rocky and thorny, and to get to them, they now have to climb this mountain, right? And it tells us that Jonathan starts to climb hand over foot up the hill. While there's enemies at the top of the hill, they could like push rocks down on his head, right? They could throw spears at him, like pretty vulnerable. But God has confirmed the plan up to this point, and Jonathan says, well, let's just keep going and see what God will do. Because when we are obedient to what God has called us to do, he will increase our faith. Follow me, Jonathan says, the Lord has handed them over to Israel. And they get to the top of the hill, and Jonathan says, hand me my sword, and they go to battle. And it says, in just a few minutes, Jonathan has taken down 20 guys in this little half-acre field. The story tells us that after that, the Philistines are like, what is going on? These two guys just climbed a mountain and now they're whooping us. And God throws confusion into the Philistine army. Verse 15 says, terror spread through the Philistine camp and the open fields to all the troops. Even the garrison and the raiding parties were terrified. And then the earth shook and terror spread from God. Jonathan and his armor bearer did not make the earth shake, guys. Only God can do that. Jonathan and his armor bearer, these two guys, I don't know what kind of skills they had, but I, it probably wasn't the kind of skills that can climb the side of a mountain and then lick 20 guys. That was God empowered through faith. The earth shook, terror spread in the Philistine camp. Verse 16, Saul's watchmen and Gibeah and Benjamin looked. They saw the panic, the panicking troops scattering in every direction. So Saul says to the troops, call the roll and determine who has left us. Obviously, there's somebody fighting down there. They called and saw that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Saul told Ahijah, bring the ark of God, for it was with the Israelites at that time. While Saul spoke to the priest, the panic in the Philistine camp increased in intensity. So Saul said to the priest, stop what you're doing. Saul and all his troops with him assembled and marched to the battle. And there the Philistines were fighting each other in great confusion. There were Hebrews from the area who had gone earlier into the camp to join the Philistines. But even they joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. In other words, there were some Israelites who said, the Philistines are too strong. They're going to beat us. I'm just going to join their army. And they were part of the Philistine army. They were ready to go fight the Philistines. But all of a sudden they see that God is moving. They're like, oh, okay, let's, <laughs> the fair weather fans. But here they are. Even these people who had, who had turned their back on their countrymen because of the faith of Jonathan and God's moving through that obedient faith said, yes. And they go to battle. 
Saul puts down his pomegranates. He says, let's go, boys, and the troops go to battle. The story tells us that the Israelites from all around see what God is doing. They say, let's go be a part of that. This obedient faith of Jonathan caused an increased faith, not only in his life and in the armor bearer's life, but in all the army of Israel. And sometimes God calls you, you, to begin to be obedient, to begin to pray, to begin to have a holy confidence that God can do anything he wants to do. And you know what? When Saul and his armor bearer stepped out, they didn't tell anybody. And sometimes God calls you to something and it's not time to tell everybody yet. <laughs> it's just time to start praying and start seeking his face and saying, God, I know you can do anything you wanna do and I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I'm just gonna start being obedient and faithful and trusting you and praying. And over time, God begins to confirm that plan one step at a time, and he brings people into the circle with you, and you begin to pray together, and you begin to be obedient together, and then God provides circumstances or situations, whatever it is, to confirm, yes, yes, keep going. That's how revival starts, right? Revival is re, again, vive, vive, life, like new life, in the history of the church, there have been seasons of revival. In other words, there are times when the church and followers of Jesus Christ are kind of dead. Not moving forward in obedient faith, not serving, just kind of going through the motions. And then God begins to do a work in the lives of individuals. And people say, I believe that God could change this neighborhood this city, this community, this nation, this world. And they begin to pray and just take one step at a time. One step at a time. And it might take weeks or months or years or decades, but they just faithfully obey and follow. And God begins to do a work. And faith increases not only in their life, but in the lives of the people around them. And that's what we see in the life of Jonathan. I heard a pastor say once, the faithfulness of the few ensures the blessings of the many. The faithfulness of the few ensures the blessings of the many. Because God uses your individual faith, your individual prayers to accomplish incredible things for his kingdom. Husbands, wives, pray for each other. Parents, pray for your kids. Families, pray for one another. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your workplace. Pray for our community. Pray for our city. Pray for this nation. Do you believe that if God wants to do something, that there is nothing that could stop him? We sang it earlier, he won't fail, he won't fail, he won't. When we believe that, we can step out in obedience. So this morning, 
Where you at? Is there a circumstance or a situation in your life that you have lost confidence that God could change or redeem or restore? Is there a pain that you have been bearing? A weight that you have been carrying that you are not sure whether God can really carry that weight or not? This morning, I want to remind you that nothing can stop God from saving by many or by few. And it starts with believing that truth. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So believe it. And if you don't believe it, there's a great prayer in Scripture. In the Gospels, a dad came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my son is sick. And Jesus says, do you believe I could heal him? And he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Or in other words, I want to believe, but I'm struggling to believe. Help my unbelief. And if you're at a season where you're not sure whether God could really move or not, then just start with this prayer. Lord, I believe you could do anything, but I'm struggling, so help my unbelief. Increase my faith. Give me faith. Maybe some of us, we just need to start with that prayer, whatever the circumstance or situation. And then some of us, we need to start taking some steps forward. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know how the story is going to end. I don't know how the prayer is going to end. But start moving forward, knowing that God can do anything he wants to do. And along the way, God will start to confirm. God will bring people into your path who will be an encouragement and a blessing. God will provide along the way and remind you that he is the one working, not you. In crazy, weird ways sometimes, people who gave money to the wrong church. (laughs) I'm just telling you, in my life, I've experienced God's provision in all kinds of weird ways. Maybe you have too. It's what God does. And as we become obedient, our faith increases the faith of those around us. So this morning, I just want to encourage you. God can do anything. God can do anything. So trust and obey. Let's stand up. I want to pray. And then we're going to sing a song of uh, dedication, a song that just says, give me faith to trust what you say. And as we pray this morning, maybe there's some of you who need to step out, to take a step of obedient faith to come forward and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I'm praying for restoration in a relationship. Lord, I'm I'm praying for provision. Lord, I'm praying for salvation. Lord, I'm, I'm praying for, we all have burdens. Maybe you would come in obedient faith and begin that prayer today. 
Begin to pray for your workplace, your neighborhood, our community, that God would do an incredible work that only he can do for his glory and his name. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you that you are a God who can do anything. Lord, help us to trust and believe that. And then, Lord, help us to respond with obedience. And, Lord, we know that when we begin to respond in faithful obedience, that you will grow our faith, that you will provide direction and clarity along the way. So, Lord, just help us to be faithful with what's right in front of us right now. We pray in Jesus' name. One other thing before we pray, I'm sorry. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who has never come to a place of faith and dependence on God for salvation. Scripture says it is by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast that I did this on my own. This morning, if you've never come to a place of faith, recognizing that you're a sinner, (laughs) that the motives of your heart are generally not good, and that that sin separates you from God. Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for your sin, and when we come to him in faith, we submit to him as King and Lord, and we say, God, this is not my life, this is your life. I surrender to you. And in that moment of faith and surrender, he saves us. And and maybe that's where you're at. And today could be your day of salvation. As we sing, I invite you to come forward. I would love to pray with you and show you how you can know Jesus as Savior. But whatever God is calling you to this morning, I invite you to respond.